Good morning. Before I have you stand and so we can read our 11 verses for this morning, a couple things. Um, one is just to keep us fresh, and, and we'll be doing this as far as our citizen stewardship. There is a, it's called the Respect for Marriage Act, and some of you have probably heard of that. I hope that a lot of you have heard of it. I, it it's been called the Disrespect of Marriage Act because it's putting into law uh, marriage as God never intended it. So that's, that, uh, on this past Tuesday, the Senate voted in favor of the final passage to redefine marriage in that way. Uh, it, it's amended, it's headed to the House, and we just need to pray for God to do a miracle that some of these who should not, re, Republican, Democrats, not that, but there is a platform with the Republican Party that would not do that. But there are Republicans that are voting in favor of that. So uh, just to pray for a miracle, take a couple of them to not, uh, to vote against it so that it wouldn't happen. And uh, it's really disturbing, honestly, to, to say the least. So if, we, if you would just pray, in fact, let me just pray right now. Lord, we just want to bow our hearts before you and ask for a miracle that this blasphemous act against marriage, against a lot of things, would be, would be not make it to the president's desk. That's our prayer. Do a miracle. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. The other thing, Tiny Heartbeat, which does sidewalk counseling, uh, I was just being told that on, when was it, yesterday? They were out doing that they, out at Seattle Planned Parenthood, correct? And uh, there was a woman that came pregnant and went in but came out very soon. So it looks like a baby was saved yesterday. So amen. Right? So stay at it. Uh, okay? So that's all I have to say. Would you stand Hebrews chapter 11? We're going to look at faith that obtains a good testimony. Uh, we're going to look mainly at verses 30 of chapter 11 through the end, verse 40. But I'm also going to go into Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, because Hebrews 12, 1 says, therefore, what's it there for? Well, you have to say, because what's it there for? <laughs> what, what are we just talking about? So Hebrews chapter 12 and 13 will become the series that we'll do in looking at Jesus. That's going to be, the, I think, the theme would be looking to Jesus. And he says that. So let me read, if you would follow along in your Bibles, uh, verse 30 of chapter 11 through verse 3 of chapter 12. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Yeah. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, 
God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect or complete apart from us. Therefore, verse 12, chapter 12, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Let's pray. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill us up this morning. Fill us up with truth. Fill us up with your word. Grant to us, Lord, minds and hearts that are just really good soil in which your truth can be put, that, it would bear, that we would bear fruit from what we're going to look at this morning. Give us ears to hear. We ask, Lord, by your spirit, you'd feed us. We're hungry. We're no, we know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So again, we just say, Lord, we want to surrender right now our minds to you in, a, in the way that we're going to think these things. We're going to consider them. Even as you tell us, consider him who endured such hostility. Consider Jesus. Give us, Lord, I pray, just a, a fresh perspective on our lives right now, right today, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Faith that obtains a testimony. The testimony meeting at church had gotten a little out of hand. One man stood and said, I've been smoking three packages of cigarettes a day, and I'm going to quit. I've been drinking two cans of beer a day, and I'm going to quit, echoed another man. I've been cursing an awful lot, and I'm I'm going to quit, confessed another parishioner. Caught up in the excitement of the moment, a little, a little old man stood up and said, I haven't been doing anything, and I'm going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how, when you think of testimony, really, the thing we just need to keep in mind is our testimony is Jesus Christ. That's our testimony. What he's doing. So three things, just as a simple outline Faith that never goes it alone. That is, I know that Jesus is always with me. I know that. Secondly, faith that knows him who gets it done. In other words, it's Jesus that I'm thanking for the work that he's doing in me and through me. Thanking God that he works in me and through my life. And then the third is faith that looks unto Jesus. In other words, as we looked at chapter 3, which we'll get into, Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who's writing my life. He's the one who's going to finish these chapters of this life and, and usher me into glory. And I say, get at it, Lord, keep going. So in Hebrews 11.30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So what's happening now in this hall of faith in chapter 11 is we're moving on from Moses, which is Hebrews 11, we looked at in the last study, 23 to 29, on to his successor, who is Joshua, who's not named here in the first verse. But Joshua, his successor, now this begins to take us in the remainder of the chapter all the way through to the end of the Old Testament. So these are all those members of the hall of faith that we find. So in Deuteronomy, and here's where I, I believe the Holy Spirit would, would want to kind of fill us up and wash us over again and again this morning. As we look at this, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. 
And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan because he had misrepresented God to the people. Whole nother story. Verse five, uh, chapter 31, verse 3. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, God's appointed man, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he has did to Sihon and Og. The Lord will give them over to you. So this first thought is that faith never goes alone, knowing that God is always with me. And as I'm going to go through a, a few passages this morning. People, it is saturated with this idea that these, what's, what's common to these names? That God was with them, and they were told that. In fact, with Joshua, Moses told him, be strong and courageous. Then God told him, be strong and courageous. And then the people told him, be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord is with you. And that should buoy us in our courage in our finding strength, that God is with us. And so in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God himself crosses over before you, goes before us, behind us, he's with us. Joshua is the man that God chose to lead them. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and of good courage. Again, do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And I say, thank God. He's there in every step. Deuteronomy verse 7. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. I say, okay, I can take that. In other words, God is with me. How do I obtain a good testimony? By knowing that God is always with me. At the women's Christmas soiree, I was, John and I were manning the um, hot chocolate booth. <laughs> and I had this line that I was telling all the women that would come up. I said, do you know why they have me back here doing this? They'd say, no. I said, because I'm so sweet. I don't know if you know the story behind what happened, but our speaker that was coming, got uh, her, her flight got canceled, so she couldn't come. That was on Thursday night. We found that out. And so, so Sophia had, had to ask the Lord to help her with a word. And I'm telling you, she hit it out of the park. It was fantastic. And I was watching out there, and, and it was striking me even more because some of the things that she was sharing are the same things that are in our passage, that God is with us. But let me quote from Sophia. Well, this, she quoted, God, rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Dismay, then she said, feelings of anxiety and distress, typically that caused by something unexpected. From the, this is Sophia, from the little unexpected to the big, our world gets rocked very easily. But sister, let nothing you dismay. Do not be troubled, for he has overcome the world. He is your way to freedom. Good tidings of comfort and joy. I've come with good news, she said. How to expect the unexpected? She's, this, I'm condensing this quite a bit. 
But first he said, pray like a warrior. Pray like a warrior. How important is that? But then the second one that really struck me, know that God is in your corner. Same thing. He is with you. He's in your corner. So in Joshua chapter 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Chapter 1, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide the land. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make you a prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for, I, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, and I say, amen. And Joshua, he's saying, Look, I've given you all the instructions, my word. I've given that to you. You take that and you be strong and you be courageous and know that I am with you the whole journey. God said the same thing to Isaac. In the midst of all of his trouble with Abimelech, in Genesis 26, 24, and the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. And Abimelech, the, the opposition, Abimelech's own men said, I know the Lord's with you. It's evident. Isaac. God said the same thing to Jacob. You, many of you know this story well. He's fleeing from Esau, scared out of his wits, doesn't know what's coming up. And in Genesis 28, 15, the Lord said, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have I'm going to do what I told you. I'm going to fulfill my promises, Jacob. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. He had been sleeping. He pulled up a rock for a pillow. No wonder he had dreams. <laughs> then Jacob Jacob. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. He becomes aware of the fact that God was with him the whole time. What wonderful awakenings that is to our soul to realize God is with me. That's why that song moves me so often. All my life have been faithful. All my life has been so good to me. It just caused you to sort of reflect back and around. God has been with me the whole time. Paul said, put it this way, for God who called me from my mother's womb. And that is the case. God is with you. He is with me. Wherever we're going. In, in Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was a fearful and insecure prophet. Used by God powerfully. He had a horrible ministry. God told him it's not going to work. <laughs> he said, you go out and preach, but I'm not going to listen to you. And he went through really very difficult times. And so we read in Jeremiah, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Again, Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 19, they will fight against you. 
but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. And they will fight against you, but they, they shall not prevail against you. He says it twice. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says who? Says the Lord. To his people in the prophets, God repeatedly said the same thing. The same thing. Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. You know, when I stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, which is not for the, it's for the believer, for rewards, to understand how God saw my life. Whatever happens there, I know one thing. Jesus is going to say to the Father, Father, he's mine. You are mine. The Bible says in the Holy Spirit, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The guarantee, when we accept Christ, God the Father says to Jesus, he's mine. Jesus says to the Father, he's mine. The Holy Spirit says, they're yours. Sealed, signed, delivered. He is with us. Isaiah 43, so when you pass through the waters, Isaiah 43, verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, since you are precious in my sight, fear not, for I am with you. Yeah, if I, if I can just say to you this morning, would you let these things wash over your soul? Wash over your mind and your heart. There are so many difficult things that we're facing today. Things we never imagined we'd be facing. Difficulties and troubles and, and violence and all these things. And to have this just, the Lord is with me. I'm not alone. He's behind me. He's before me. He's watching over me. He's keeping me in all my ways. Why? Because he's the Lord. He's my God. I am your God. Signed, sealed, delivered. Jeremiah, for I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Jeremiah, again, do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, says the Lord, for I am with you. Haggai, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. God wants us to know he's with us. And I'll tell you, the devil does not want us to know that truth. And he comes in and tries to, to sort of remove that or taint it in some way. Like, you haven't measured up, so how do you know? And it's like he's saying to us, you know, you have failed so many, you've got, failed God so many times. You've, you've done that same thing so many times. God's done with you. Why don't you just give up and die? You know, well, just let that wash over each of our hearts and minds. God is with you. He has been. He will be. One day, the Bible says he will wipe away he himself will wipe away every tear. That is a very intimate thing that God will do. He's with us. Haggai, verse chapter 2, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. And be strong, all you people land, says the Lord. And, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord. He said, get busy, get to work. I'm with you. I'm with you. In the building of the temple in that context. Now here's the thing. Jesus spoke the same thing. When Paul the Apostle, the great Paul the Apostle, he had been being persecuted from city to city to city. 
And Paul the apostle got discouraged. You know, when it's going on, and so he's discouraged. And in Acts chapter 18, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Jesus himself will come and say, I'm with you. And I don't know how many times it's been for you, but there are times I say, you know, I'm done. This is too hard. This is, it's ongoing. What's the, I'm done. And I believe in those times, those seasons of the soul, Jesus would come and say, I'm with you. The Holy Spirit would say, I'm with you. The Father would say, I'm with you. And if he, if God is for us, <laughs> it's a great question, isn't it? If God is for us, who can be against us? I can tell you who can be against us. I'm the worst critic. I can be against myself. Even friends can be against me. The world is definitely against me. Satan is against me. But if God is for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not listen? How shall he not with him freely give us all things? We have Jesus. We have all we need. And I think the Lord would say to us this morning, I'm with you. I'll keep you. I'll watch over you says, for by faith Rahab harlot did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. What that means is she knew she was doing what was right. And, and she hid them and then sent them away. She received them in peace. She knew it was right. How did she know that? I'll tell you how. God went before those spies and that plan knew what was coming. And she says that. Before they lay down, she came up on the roof and said to them, so she's hiding the spies. She says, so said to men, I know the Lord has given you the land. And, all, and she just starts reiterating what the testimony had been of the God of Israel, what God was doing in going before them. And now they're coming and you better watch out. So she received the spies with peace. She knew she was doing what was right. She knew what side was the one that was going to take it. And when the spies returned, their report, God had gone before them. He's with us in this thing. We're going to go. We're going to take because they're scared out of their wits. Jericho. And we read of them conquering of Jericho. Says there in Jericho in verse six, Joshua six one. Now Jericho is securely shut up because of the children of Israel. So they are scared. They're wondering what's going on. So the city is fortified. None went out. None came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given you Jericho into your hand. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's all shut up. See, I've given it to you. It's just fortified. So I've given it to you. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city. Thus you shall do for six days. Now, come back to that minute. But let's go back to the cross of the Red Sea that was taking place before this. It's the same thing. God's saying, I'm with you. I'm going before you. I'm coming after you. I've got your back, if you will. Exodus chapter 13, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. Big flashlight. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. He's before them giving them light, showing them, directing them. 
And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of God. So God's telling them, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be for you. Now they're at the Red Sea. Got an Egyptian army coming up. The sea before them. What are they going to do? Ah! That's what they said. I don't know if you knew that. Ah! Yikes! And it wasn't just the people. Moses going, yikes! I don't know. But he says, I'm going to turn to the Lord. What are you going to do, God? Just raise that, raise your staff. Raise it up. I'll show you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go before you right through the Red Sea. So then we read, and the angel of the Lord who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and, uh, and darkness to the one and gave light by night to the other so that the, the one did not come near the other all that night. God. Isn't that incredible? This miraculous way in which God says, I'm with you. Now, if you're, if you're there and you're in the camp of Israel going, this is pretty cool. And they're getting ready for Moses to rose it up. And then what, he departs. And the, what I find fascinating is it says, not one drop of water, judgment. One drop got on the children of Israel. They walk through that Red Sea on dry land. What happened on the other side? raise up that staff again and the waters returned and covered the chariots the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came in the sea after them not such as one remained God did what he said he'd do he went behind before them behind them he protected them he gave them light by which they know what to do he gave them a leader who was obedient to God he did what he said making the path for them they walked through turn around and God did it he did it And that story is the story of our salvation. That's the story of us being delivered through our faith in Christ. God did it. And if he did that, if he who spared not his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us? How shall he not with him? Are we not with him? He's for us, not against us. God told Moses now in the wilderness repeatedly, his angel would go before them. Exodus 23, 20, behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. My angel will go before you and bring you into the Ammonite, Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Canaanite and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And man, that is out of sight. <laughs> I will cut them off. He says it many times. This, he's... I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion. Make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you. Exodus 32, 34. Now therefore, go, lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Go, do it. I'm going to be with you. I will send my angel before you. He tells him again, I'll drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite. Uh, Exodus again in chapter 34. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I'm driving out from before you. And he lists them. I will cast out the nations before you and I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to enlarge your borders. This is God. Simply say, I'm with you. God goes before us and after us and with us every step of the way. Psalm 139, absolutely favorite psalm of many others. And we looked at this, I think, a couple weeks ago. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, Lord, you know it all together. Here it is. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Just sort of gather in and upon you. That's the Lord with us. That's what the psalmist David is, is, is talking about. Such knowledge is too wonderful and high. I can't, and let it, as it just want to realize we have the infinite, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present God who is with us. Who is for us. Who goes before us. Comes behind us. Understands our path and our lying down. Acquainted with all our ways. For where shall I go from your spirit? The psalmist continues. But where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, here it is, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There's nothing I love better than holding my little grandson's hand. We went on the train ride yesterday with our whole family. We take that little hand and just walk up the steps because it's really high. Well, it's high for me too. Into this old train. Or to have them come and just sit with me. <laughs> How much more does our Heavenly Father love to take our hand and lead us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake? Infinitely more. Infinitely more. Before Joshua ever made a step in marching around Jericho, he had an encounter with the commander of the Lord of hosts. And Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man, capital M, stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? We pick it up. So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your feet, your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Before he ever took a step toward Jericho or marching, he had an encounter with the commander of the hosts of the Lord, Jesus. A holy encounter with Jesus. To every believer, that's what we have. We had an encounter with the commander of the hosts of the Lord. And he has marching orders for us. But the first thing that's so needed is that we have these encounters with our commander. That we understand he's with us. Understand he has a plan for us. To understand we're just not marching into, into, into oblivion. We're marching into those places where God's going to be giving to us the inheritance that's ours by faith. Wow. It doesn't get much better than that, I would say. And so Joshua, he said to Joshua, no, but it's command of the army of the Lord. You see, are you for us or against us? Well, I'm for you. No, he didn't say that. No, I'm against you. He didn't say that. He said, no. Well, come on. <laughs> you see, the question is not... Are you, to Jesus, are you for me or against me? The question is, am I for him or against him? Because if I'm for him, he's all in. If I'm against him, he can't be. Because of this. So this morning, as we're hearing this, if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to God through Jesus Christ, you haven't had that encounter 
of all the encounters in life that's so important. The question is not, is God for you? He is for you. But will you receive him as your Lord and Savior? And find these truths that I've been mentioning this morning. He is for you, not against you. If he's for you, he's spared on his own son. And you've, re- you've responded to the gospel in your heart. The Bible says you will be saved. And now the commander is everyone. To every believer, Jesus is our commander-in-chief. And he says this in Matthew 28. And you're familiar with many of you. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Marching orders. Baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit next week or two weeks or next week, next week. Teaching them to observe all things I command you and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. What's your age? (laughs) I don't know know when my my last year is going to be numbered, but he's talking here about the ages of ages, the, the God of the ages. When God's done with all that he's doing, we have a segment in that. He's with us. In Hebrews 13, 5, interesting verse. We'll get to it when we get to Hebrews 13. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. To know Jesus is with me always and will never leave me or never forsake me is to need nothing else. All the things of this world, the covetousness that arrives, it's sort of, hey, I'm content because I know that God is with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. God, Knowing that God is always with me, thanking God for working in me and through me, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's continue in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Who do you think that is? Daniel. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the... And what more shall I say? Because he doesn't have the time. The testimony and testimony and testimony of these that went and followed Christ, who God was with them, and he worked these things in their lives, worked in them and through them, and did great exploits. I don't have the time. To read this membership in the Hall of Faith is to be encouraged by the fact that not a single one of them was without personal weakness and failure. Every one of them. Calvin said, in every saint there is always to be found something reprehensible, unquote. Paul said, I know that in me and my flesh there's nothing that good dwells. George Brewer in his book, Messiology, he writes, the mystery of how God works even when it doesn't make sense to us. He reflects on his life and ministry to remind us that God works in mysterious ways. Messiology. He cautions us from getting critical. I think that is so important. It's so easy to be critical. It's so easy to look at things with a critical eye. 
I believe when we get our eyes on Jesus and realize that God is with us, that criticalness starts to evaporate. Because if God so loved me, I was walking in darkness and corruption, children of wrath, even as others, bound by sin and darkness. So he urges us toward love, patience, affection, grace. He says, major in the majors, minor in the rest, and trust God always, even in failure. You see, Gideon, hopelessly outnumbered, he defeated the Midianites with 300 men, some broken clay pots and torches, sent them running. Massive army sent them running. God worked in him and through him, but what was the problem? He needed constant reassurance from God. I'm going to put a fleece out. God answered it. I'm going to put out the opposite fleece. God answered it. Then, he, then God said, I want you to go down to the camp there and listen to him. You're going to hear a dream from one of your enemies. So this man, Gideon, needed constant reassurance from God. And God did that for him. He was working in him and through him. Barak was cowardly and weak. He delivered Israel from Sisera's army. God worked in him and through him, but he had to use a woman to go with him, which was a shame then. He lacked confidence. He lacked courage. And yet God worked in him and through him in his life. Samson. Many of us know the story of Samson. Foolish, immature, sensual. He traded his commitment to God for the lust of his heart. He began to deliver Israel from the Philistines. That was the epitaph. God worked in him and God worked through him. Although it took him a lifetime to grow up. He died in his last and final push, the pillars of that temple. And that will become his legacy. More in his death than his life. God used him. Worked in him and through him. Jephthah, an illegitimate child, expelled from his brother in paternal abode. He was called a mighty man of valor, upon, one upon whom the Spirit of the Lord descended. He delivered Israel from the Ammonites, but then made this rash vow. Whoever comes out of my house first must sacrifice to the Lord. And he arrives, and who walks, who walks out of the house? His only daughter. You talk about, what did I just do? And yet, being a man of his word, he kept his vow. And in so doing, it robbed, he robbed his only daughter of what she only wanted was to be married and bear children. He surrendered her to bewail her perpetual virginity. And so sad was it for the nation Israel that they, they would remember it with four days every year of what happened to Jephthah's daughter. David. We love David. He is so transparently human. The man after God's own heart. What more can we say? Tremendous success and very troubling failures. High highs and low lows. 
was David. He was thoughtful and yet at times absolutely thoughtless. He was so right and yet could be so wrong. At times fearless and then at times filled with fear. And yet God worked in him and through him mightily. That's our David. That's who God gave us to remind us again. Oh, to be transparently human with the God who's with us is powerful, powerful. Samuel, dedicated to God by his parents at a very early age. This great prophet that would lead Israel through very difficult times in their history. And yet later on in his life, we find out he couldn't lead his sons to the Lord. And so he appointed them as judges. But they did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. You see, parenting and those things that ache in our hearts over our children. The prophets, God worked in and through them throughout Israel's history. In fact, the book of Hebrews begins. Verse 1 of chapter 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers through the prophets. How did God work in and through them? It tells us. Verse 33, through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the arms of the aliens, and women received their dead, raised to life again. Say, yeah, victory, victory, that's our cry. And indeed it is. Sometimes God works great victories. They're over and above anything we could have imagined or possible were it just us when the odds and the numbers and facts are stacked against us. He worked through them, and God still works in the same way today. Great victory. But I want to warn us, remind us, reject teaching that this is the way God always works. There are two videos, documentaries, I would encourage you to watch. The American gospel, Christ alone, is addressing the prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement. It's not only heresy, it's perverted. Christ crucified is a progressive Christianity, another gospel that is not the gospel. I would encourage you to watch these. Because you see, false teachers like Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar, Joel Osteen, just to name three, willfully ignore their own selfish greed and gain and make merchandise of God's people. You see, the Bible is just as clear as we continue. Verse 35, others. There are others. And there are many others that are not experiencing these great victorious things that we read first, but it says we're tortured not accepting deliverance that they may obtain to a greater, a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Some believe that was Isaiah. 
were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Oh, I'd like to sign up for that. These are being written for our instruction. That we live in a fallen world. We have opposition from a fallen angel named Satan and all of his cronies. We have these oppositions to God that want to destroy us. And God takes these things however he does that. And do I understand these things? Why is it that some don't, don't suffer and others do? Why is it that some escape the edge of the sword while others were slain with the sword? Why is that? I don't know. And the crucible that I see sometimes when I hear these testimonies, I say, how did that, how does that work? But then you see what happened and what God did in them and through them, and you say, man, I would like that same work in my heart. But it doesn't come on, on the sliding, sort of drifting along with all the money I could ever want and, and being able to just say this is it and all that. No, that's, not, that's not it. Still others. Sometimes God allows great suffering. This is how God works in ours. It's not to try and figure that out. But to just continue to make sure we have our eyes on the right person. That God is working in us, and whether we can figure it out or not, one thing we know, God's got to figure it out. God knows what he's doing. And all these have attained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should be made perfect, not be made perfect apart from us. You see the complete and final work in and through us, as well as through every Old Testament and New Testament saint up to this segment of time is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and our reconciliation to God through him. Our salvation through him. It's only through that, that finished work of the cross, where God himself worked the final victory, but where God also suffered incomprehensible agony for you and me, you and me. It's the finished work of our salvation was accomplished for all these. That's God's people in all of time through all of eternity. That's why he goes in, therefore, therefore. No exception because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. The work of God in and through all these, in and through all of us, is all in the promise that in our... In, in hours, in and through the work of Jesus Christ. Though God used them so mightily, though God allowed them to suffer so incredibly, every one of them and every one of us needs a Savior. I love this song, I don't even know what year it was written, by DC Talk called In the Light. So I keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you. I am the king of excuses. I've got one for every selfish thing I do. What's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions <laughs> that I'm still a man in need of a savior. So true. 
that work of Jesus on the cross. No number of great victories, no amount of great sufferings can ever save us from our sins except through Christ. So there's no exclusions. Though all these failed, and many, many times they failed even after God had done a great work. Gideon, after God had worked so mightily in him, he made a golden ephod. It was kind of a monument to himself that became a snare to the children of Israel. Even after God had done what he did. Barak, after God had worked so mightily, received no glory because he was afraid to do what God had told him to begin with. But God did it. But you see, Jesus came because Mr. Barak needed a Savior. David, we know the David story is so embarrassing almost. But David, after God had done so many incredible things in his life, he eyes Bathsheba when he should have been out in the field with the soldiers. And you know the story. After God had done so much, brought such pain and heartache upon his family. But you see, Jesus came and died because David needed a Savior. What more shall I say? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Sam. Jesus came and died because Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Peter and Paul and, yes, Mary needed a Savior. In the middle of the sermon, a man jumped up. Preacher, he shouted. I have been a miserable, contemptible sinner for years and never knew it before tonight. Before he could say any more, a deacon in the next pew announced, sit down, brother, the rest of us knew it all the time. <laughs> you live long enough with someone, you realize we all need a Savior. The work that God does is through his final promise in Jesus Christ. No exceptions, no exclusions, all included if we will receive the reconcile that comes through believing the gospel. All these having, having died, not having received the promise that, that it wouldn't be until Jesus came, that that would be fulfilled. He is the propitiation for our sin. Faith never goes it alone, knowing that God is always with me. Faith that knows him who gets it done. Thankful that God is working in my life and through my life, in spite of my life. Faith that looks unto Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. And so he goes into chapter 12, which we'll pick up in our next studies. Therefore, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the witnesses? The ones we just talked about. Now, I don't know if they're in the clouds looking down on what's going on. If I were there, that's the last place I'd be looking, is here. I'd be looking at Jesus. And so he tells us there, this cloud of witnesses. In other words, I look at it as a relay race. And so this relay race, we've been handed the baton, if you will, from what's gone before. They've made this sure transfer to us. We've taken it. And now we're going for it with everything we have, I hope. And we're just, as we're rounding the track, <laughs> 
There's someone else waiting. Baton. They're looking ahead, but waiting for the field. And then the transfers made. Brothers and sisters, for all of us, there's coming a time when the finish line's in sight. We're handing the baton. I want to hand that baton to my kids. I want to hand that baton to my grandkids. I want to hand that baton to, to those in our church. I want to hand that off as an, having obtained a good testimony through faith. God was with me. God worked in me and through me. Not perfect me because I'm not perfect, but he did that. He did that. And I'm looking to Jesus because he's the author. He started the book. He's got the mind. He's, got, he's had the chapters in mind for my life, and he's the finisher of my faith. And so I know in that day, when I stand before him, complete. This is what my heart's going to repeat. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And so to God be the glory, great things he is doing. Great things he has done. Now we can know in our hearts that this testimony is Jesus. And he's working in us for that, during, up to that final lap we see the finish line and fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let me just tell you, because I'm excited about this. How do we look to Jesus? We're going to take these chapters. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Consider him, be chastened by him. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. So do not refuse him who speaks from heaven. Don't refuse him. Serve him with reverence and godly fear. And that is the fifth and final warning in the book of Hebrews that we'll look at. Jesus, here it is, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So bear his reproach and offer him the sacrifice of praise. And the final one, Jesus is the great shepherd and savior. The great shepherd of the sheep. He's working in you both to will and do what pleases him. And finally, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I want to close our service just by reading that benediction over us again. So would you stand as the worship team comes out? Let's worship in song, and then I'll come and we'll close.